It's a little over a decade now that the Black Eyed Kids phenomena has captured the attention of the world. In my original incarnation of Paranormal Talk Radio, we were one of the first shows to begin talking about this strange and unique phenomena. Stories started pouring in from around the world. And as I just started to believe that this could be nothing more than urban legend, following the tropes of vampires and the demonic realm, I started hearing from people that have had these things that predate the original Black Eyed Kid stories in the 90s. That's right. I now have stories reaching back into the 30s and 40s, the 50s, 60s, and today. Sounds like a rock rock and roll radio station, but they seem to be everywhere, prevalent throughout. And when people our age that are listening to these programs are sharing these programs with their friends, relatives, aunts, uncles, grandparents, parents, it's opening a whole new paradigm because so many of them have now come forward with their own tales. Black-eyed kids, that's first up on tonight's program. A little later on in the program, contacting the dad, Mark Lanou joins us to discuss a new piece of technology he will be introducing soon and his own paranormal experiences. Gemma Jade is up first, and you're tuned in to the very best in paranormal programming. I'm Dave Schrader, and this is my Paranormal 60. I'm not going to stand here and listen to this baloney. He won't know. He doesn't stand for baloney. Evening, my little darklings. Thank you so much for joining me here as we go into a very weird aspect of the paranormal. As a matter of fact, stories that I find so chilling that I love sharing them wherever I go, and I love collecting more of these type of stories. Soon I'll be on the Jericho cruise at the end of this month, and I know people will be begging for more Black Ad Kid encounters. So I wanted to refresh us, to come up with something new, and I started seeking people that had stories. And lo and behold, one of my all-time favorite book covers popped up on my social media feed, Danger at Your Door, Encounters with Black-Eyed Kids. Gemma Jade, the author and a uh, past guest contributor on the program, released a brand new book. So I thought, well, this is perfect timing. Let's get back into this. I do want to make just two quick mentions. Please rate and review this podcast. However you listen to the show, however you experience it, please rate and review. If you're watching it live here on YouTube, once the show is over, please just go in and comment in the comment section below. And for those of you watching later, feel free to add comments and talk about the topic that we discuss on each program. I do my best to go in and make comments from time to time when I see something and try to answer the questions that you may have there. But that does help our show get even more exposure. I want to welcome all of our viewers and listeners that are following us now on Instagram as well. Instagram only allows a one-hour feed. Theoretically, we should fit into that paranormal 60 realm. Sometimes we leech over. So remember, if you want to continue to watch the rest of the show, go to the Paranormal 60 YouTube channel to watch it. And for all of you listening all around the world to the podcast version, welcome and thank you for being here. When you go to purchase books like Gemma Jade's book, we do have a link for it in today's program guide. And when you go in through that link, that connects you with the Paranormal 60 Amazon shop. If you could bookmark that shop and anytime you need to purchase something from Amazon, if you go in through that link, a very small percentage of every one of your sales gets kicked back to your old pal, Dave Schrader. It doesn't cost you anything more to do it. It is just a promotional tool. It is a collaboration with Amazon, if you will. So it goes a long way to help. It doesn't take anything away from people like Gemma selling a book. It doesn't take anything away from all the great vendors selling things on Amazon. It is just a little cushion that Amazon builds in to help uh, make sure that their word is spread and more of these items are seen by bigger, broader audiences. So you'll find the link on today's program guide for my Amazon Paranormal 60 shop. Click on it, bookmark it, 
and make sure any purchase you make through Amazon, you do through that link. It'll cost you nothing extra and it'll go a long way to help this show and keeping us afloat financially. Let's get back into the topic at hand. Gemma J joining us back here live. Thank you so much for joining me again, Gemma. Thank you for having me again. I'm excited. Great to have you. Boy, first of all, I just have to <laughs> compliment you on the cover of your book. This book, I think better than any other paranormal theme book I've ever seen, sets the stage for the great read within. And that is an amazing piece, an amazing book. And I'm wishing you a lot of success with that. When did the Black Eyed Kids first kind of ping your radar? So... It was actually a really long time ago, before I was an author, before I even knew what YouTube was, I was just flicking through the channels one night bored, and uh, not even streaming, just regular <laughs> flicking, and I accidentally came across an episode of a show that was talking about the Black Eyed Kids, and I was like, what is this? And when I tell you I became obsessed instantly, I started researching, I wanted to know everything, I wanted every encounter, and then now maybe about 10, almost 11 years later, I was given the opportunity to write a book about, you know, write another book. And I was like, I'm doing Black Eyed Kids, of course. I already, I'm obsessed, but I've never actually had an encounter. So. Well, the night is young and I, uh, I did, I did uh, call Uber delivers. So hopefully at some point during the show, you'll hear a knock and it's up to you to decide, <laughs> will you let them in? Gemma Jade. All right. So for listeners that may have been living in a cave, uh, may have been frozen in a Titan capsule somewhere and has ju just been released back into the wild and are unfamiliar with the black eyed kid phenomena, please explain. So basically it is usually nighttime, but sometimes it happens during the day and there's sometimes one, sometimes two, sometimes three kids that will, you'll get a knock at the door. And before you get the knock though, it's just like you're laying there watching TV and you just get this overwhelming feeling of dread that comes out of nowhere. And you're like, what is going on? Pacing around your house. Don't know. It's like primal, this, this instinctual fear. And then you get the knock. Even if you have a doorbell, you still get a knock. And it's always these children where one of them will be what I call the spokesperson. One of them will speak. The other two will silently sit, you know, stand in the back. And it's like, hey, we're lost. Can we come in and use your phone? And if you're like, well, I can call for you. Oh, no, no. My little brother has to use the bathroom. Can we come in? And the more you refuse because there is something off, there's that human part of you that wants to help a little kid. Right. And then that primal part of you that is like, get as far away from these kids, kids as possible. And they start becoming more and more insistent. Um, I've even heard of them like kicking the door. You have to let us in. We can't come in unless you invite us, invite us in. And some people have even felt compulsion where like their hand has been, they'll like suddenly snap out of it and their hand is reaching to open the door. And then they disappear into like thin air. Now, I love the fact that you started off that way because I think it's very telling. You know, they're usually one, two, three, maybe four, could be up to five to 10, but no more than 20 at a time. <laughs> Sometimes you're dressed in very basic outfits or they're in designer clothing. They're knocking at your door or ringing your doorbell, could be standing outside your car. That's the crazy aspect of this phenomena is it yeah. seems to have boundaries, but it doesn't. It seems to have some rules, but it doesn't. Mm -hmm. There seems to be this strange vacillation with how these beings can make themselves known to us and what they do to get our attention. So the black eyed kid phenomena for those people that are not familiar really kind of started in the nineties. There was a reporter and I actually had him on my past uh, radio show talking about it, having this encounter with these kids and uh, driving away at the end of it, just terrified. He had this this sense of dread. He, he was annoyed by these kids asking for a ride. They wanted to go home and get money to come back and watch a movie. And he was like, the, all the movies have started. What are you talking about? And they're like, no, please give us a ride. We need a ride. And the more he said no, the more insistent they became, the more agitated they became. And that's finally when he looked up and he saw their eyes, the complete That's sclera. the big reveal. That's yeah. the first story I ever heard. The wow. one you're just disgusting right terrifying right jet black eyes this this 
frozen kind of face staring back in the window with these dead shark-like eyes insisting that they get into the car and he takes off and they vanished. So that was kind of the, the indoctrination. But again, it's interesting to me, that sounds very uh, urban legendy, right? Mm -hmm. It's like the, the murderer with the hook. It's, it fills so many different chasms of, of strangeness, but when you talk to some of the people or hear from them and you know, it's always hard by email to gauge the sincerity of yeah. the storytelling, but I've stood before people that have relayed these stories Terror. to me. And some of them are military personnel mm-hmm. and it's crazy when they're actually, they're talking to you, when you can see this isn't an embellishment, this isn't a story gauged to try to terrify you. This is something that they're almost cathartically getting off their chest. Did you find it was easy to have people come forward and share stories with you? It wasn't hard so much getting them to come forward, but 98% of them insisted that I keep them anonymous. Um, They were worried about it getting out because it is kind of like an urban legend. Um, And you're right. It's this, this terror that overcomes them. I've interviewed several people over the last year. And it's always like this glazed over look of just terror. Like they're somewhere else while they're telling the story and you can just see it viscerally on their body, shaking tears coming out of their eyes. I mean, um, I told someone's story on my channel one time and when he listened to it, he broke down in tears and started sobbing Mm -hmm. like a baby because he had never like heard it. Like he never, confronted it and it is very urban legendy but once you get into like you said where you're actually speaking to people who have had these encounters it becomes a lot more real and uh, it's it's one of the most terrifying things for me i'm so terrified it took me so long to write this book because i was afraid i was going to invite it in you know like with right. the shadow entities i i had more sleep paralysis episode i saw them more i was terrified i live in the middle of the woods there is nobody around and i was just like don't answer the door i'm telling you, like my husband my kid like don't answer the door uh no matter who it is they'll call <laughs> like uh we have a question from the audience and thank you for the donation thesis himself has there been a noticeable decrease or difference in sightings since the advent and popularity of home security systems like ring doorbell cameras? I know that I've actually seen a few pieces of footage that are really unsettling um, where kids have shown up to the door, but again, their heads are kind of tipped. Sometimes they have hoodies or hats on. You can hear them saying the thing in that kind of very monotone voice when somebody's talking to them through the ring. We haven't seen the eyes. So it's hard to detail. Some of it were black and white grainy images where you see the dark eyes, but you could say from this angle, watching me on YouTube, you can't see my eyes clearly. Could they be black slits? You don't know, right? So it's it's hard to tell, but there are people that have footage that have shown us footage that is kind of unnerving and creepy to see because it does fit the bill in every other aspect of this story. What do you make of of the fact that people are like, well, you could buy those black Scalera contact lenses and kids are always going out there. My, my story has always been those cost like a hundred to 300 bucks a pair. I don't know many little kids or teenagers that can afford that. And in this current gun carrying craze going on around the world, I, I'm not judging. I'm just saying, I don't think I would be knocking on the doors, any kind of creepy creature trying to freak people out yeah. because. I would be afraid that, you know, somebody's going to end up with a bullet in the head. So I, I have a hard time believing it's pranks. Um, well, I do too, but for, for several reasons, the first thing is this phenomenon goes back centuries and I would dare say, I mean, I found instances in native tribes from like the 1500s. I, um, I just, it goes back and I would venture to say it goes back to like the beginning of time. And I've never seen an instance personally through hundreds of interviews and all of the years worth of research where the, a doorbell was rang. I've never seen that. And that was one of the strangest things to me was that they completely and totally ignore the doorbell as though they don't know what it is. Um, I have seen electronics like ring doorbells, um, 
go kind of wonky when they're there knocking or the lights will flicker. But I think with the black contacts, because I heard that all the time, you know, you could easily buy those. Well, you couldn't buy those in the 1500s when the native tribes were talking and writing about all of this. You, you know, they were very hard to get in the 1950s where there's a famous case, if you know, you know, if you've done your research about the, the boy Harold, um, which is one of the earliest cases that you can find like on the Internet right now without really searching. Um, mm-hmm. They weren't, they didn't exist back then. And I think it's more than just their presentation. It's the way that you feel in their presence. It's unlike from what I understand, anything you would ever normally feel just by being freaked out a little bit by someone's eyes. This is primal, deeply ingrained, visceral terror and dread that overcomes you. And your pets. Uh, Mario says, I don't know what's creepier, the black eyes or the efforts these creatures go in in order to dress the part accurate to the time. Uh, dark thought, but what if they take the clothes from missing children? That's definitely interesting. I talked a little bit in my book about a correlation between black eyed kids and possible missing children throughout the centuries. Um, kids, for me, everything goes back to the missing in the woods. I mean, I, I talk about it all the time. I write about it all the time. And it's like, well, there were no uh, missing persons flyers back in you know the 1700s or way back when. So are these kids reanimated or something like that? And I've also seen several cases where Normally, it's not the spokesperson, but the other child will be holding like the doll that the the witness's daughter has, the same doll, or wearing the exact same clothes that her son wore to school that day. I think that's more like, hey, we're just like you. Don't you want to help us? We're just like your kid. How could you leave your kid out here? You know, and, you know, absolutely right. They go to great lengths, but then sometimes they're very sloppy where they're wearing tattered clothing from the 1700s and they're popping up on your doorstep. So it, like you said, it's like, you just can't nail it down. Uh, let's go into some of your favorite cases. And I know we don't want to give too many away from the book because we want people to go buy the book. We have a link for it on today's program guide. Again, the book we're discussing is Danger at Your Door, Encounters with Black-Eyed Kids. Gemma Jade, the author of the book. Uh, please get the book, rate, and review the book as well. But let's uh, let's cover either, you know, if you want to talk, I know you've got a lot of stories that didn't make the book. So if yeah. you want to cover stories that are in the book and not in the book, so that way we've got a little mixture, feel free. Yeah, I've got some in the back of my head that I plan on talking about. And there is a companion book. So this book, Danger at Your Door, is legends, theories. We talk about urban legends, all of the theories, the speculation, plus encounters. I have a Just Encounters companion book coming out on February 13th. So so I there are three that really kind of um, made me wonder and made me guess. And I did take a little notes, little notes here. So the there's one where... <clears throat> This there's a guy and he's somewhere in the southern United States and he has kind of just had enough with the kids knocking. They're knocking on his windows. It's the same story late at night. He's cracking open a beer, having some pizza or whatever he's doing and they won't leave. So he's like, I'm going to go get my gun. And I'm, he's thinking like, I'm going to go get my gun and I'm going to aim it at them. And they're young. They'll be scared. He goes to get his gun. He swings the door open, expecting them to still be standing there. And there is a white eyed kid white-eyed teenager that says, where did they go? And he immediately was like compelled to point his gun down. And he said, I I don't, I don't know. I went to get my gun. And the white-eyed teenager said, they won't be bothering you anymore. And then the door closed on its own. And when he just ran to go open it, there was nobody out there. And I do cover one chapter on white-eyed kids in the book as well, because that's a whole other story. And you are saying white eyed kids not wide-eyed just so we're clear white yeah so the complete polar opposite you've got the white sclera or the black sclera okay Mm -hmm. what do you what do you think though are are, are the white-eyed versions more of an angelic interference that was the only case i ever came across where they were even in the same realm of the bek so the white-eyed kids are usually found in the woods and usually someone will remember encountering them but then not like lose two hours of time and then not remember. So I think it's, I don't know, but that's why that story stuck out to me because I had never come across 
where a white-eyed kid was involved with a black-eyed kid encounter. But again, listening to this guy over the phone recount this encounter, he was in tears. He was terrified. He doesn't go out at night unless he absolutely has to. I mean, it has affected his life to a tremendous degree where I don't believe if it was some kind of fantasy land he's making up to get attention, he would be the way that he has become now. Freaky. That's a good one. Uh, White-eyed kid encounter mixed in there. Uh, you know, I've had mixtures of people talking about um, creatures with red glowing eyes. That's something entirely different, it seems, mm -hmm. than what we're dealing with in these instances. And it's not like a, a, a luminescence to the eyes. As a matter of fact, the black-eyed kids are almost devoid of color. And it's we're not talking about like an empty eye socket either. We're talking the eyeballs are there. Yeah. But all of them are completely covered in black and uh, very unsettling. All right. Give me another one of your favorites. So um, let me see. <clears throat> Sorry. Oh, okay. So there was, I wrote it so little. There was um, a police officer who was just doing his usual rounds in a suburban area. He knew most of the people there. He drove through at night. It was one of those like gated communities. So he, gets a call of a disturbance at so at a little old woman's house that he knows she lives alone. And he's like, what could possibly, the woman was so scared on the phone. She couldn't really articulate what was going on. So he's like, I'm in the area. I'm going to stop by. He goes around the back and he sees two kids just standing there stone still on her back deck. And as he was walking up, cause he had to walk up to get to the back. The woman was not answering the front door. So he had to walk around the back and he heard banging. And he heard her from the inside yelling, go away, go away. And he gets up and he says to the kids, sit there. What are you guys doing? You know, what are you doing here? And the one kid said, she won't let us in. And the officer said, stay here. And he yelled through the door, I'm going to come around to the front. And he heard like a popping noise, which I've also seen keeps coming up before and after the encounter, a very loud pop that scared him. He turns around, he runs back, he looks up, the kids are gone. The woman answers the door. She is just terrified. She tells him they were knocking on the front door. They came to the windows. They were knocking on the back door, insisting I let them in. But it was like, in that particular case, I found it interesting because they knew how to handle the police. Or at least like normally they just say weird things and disappear they were making it like it was the old woman who was the problem. She won't, she won't let us in as though she had, you know, they were her grandkids and she had locked them out or something for misbehaving. He said, that's what they made it sound like in just those few words. And that's actually another thing. They, they tend to say, th say a lot in a little bit, you know, where, you know, they told Brian Bethel, it's not like we have a gun or anything. And he thought they were telling me we don't need a gun, you know, Right. That one was uh, super creepy. Thank you to ND Southpaw for the love you just showed. $50 donation for the show. Thank you. That means very much. I appreciate it. Make sure you spend some of this money with our guests as well. We have a link up for Gemma's book on Black Eyed Kids, so you can go find it. And then remember, once you've read it, rate and review it on Amazon because that helps the authors get better exposure so that their books are seen by more people and recommended to more people. Um the idea that they seem to be held back from entering and, and crossing a threshold that comes into the free will category, which sounds very demonic, vampiric mm -hmm. in nature. Uh, vampires, of course, more into the fabled, you know, fictional, fictional aspect of the world. Um, but with the demonic, it, it's been this kind of very linear kind of idea that you need to invite the demonic and you have to give it permission. However, we've had stories that have come up through the years where people do not give that permission. And these things still seem to be able to enter the house. I, I remember a tale, a woman had come home. She was taking groceries out of her car, heading into the house. And some kids said, Hey, can we help you? We'll, we'll help you. And she's like, no, no, I've got it. That's fine. And she's getting up to the door. She's trying to unlock it. And as she unlocks it, one of them brushes past with a bag of groceries. And she's, uh, okay, just send them in the kitchen. And she set them down. And she's then looking for the kid. She cannot find the kid. He is gone. She oh. goes back out to the car. The other two kids are out there. She's like, where did your friend go? He, he carried the bag in. Well, maybe he went to the bathroom. 
And she's like, okay, we'll wait out here. And she grabbed some more of the bags, brought them back in the house, struck the door, and she heard giggling and running upstairs. So she went up to check on this kid to see what was going on. So it it was able to breach the home sector, get in to the home. And it was running. She actually ended up exiting the house through the back and going and calling the police. The police came, did a full sweep. There was nobody there. Um, they even went to a neighbor who had security cameras and asked to check footage. And the footage is of the woman talking to something, but there's nothing on the camera. Oh my and God. she goes up to the door. You see her doing the door. And all of a sudden she steps aside, like something moves past her and she kind of leans in and, oh. and then follows it. And it's not on camera. So weird stories, right? I mean, these things don't seem to really live by the rules that we are expecting them to live by. Do you think that's because they're finding a way to game the system spiritually? Uh, Because it seemed for a long time that was it. You had to go with them or let them in for them to have any kind of uh, connection to you. Well, I... Now that you mentioned it, I I do have a few stories in my book like that where like, you know, a gas station clerk was kind of tormented by black eyed kids insisting, you know, entry to this tiny little gas station that he was running in the middle of nowhere on the side of the road. And when his boss found him the next day cowering in the corner, um, terrified that these kids were still out there somewhere there was nothing on the security footage and this guy would like bet his life on like they were there and they were telling him we can't come in unless you invite us and all of this. The thing with, I did cover the theory that they could be demons with demons. There is a hierarchy based on eye color um, with white being the highest and black being the lowest. And there's like a spectrum in between. I do not personally think that this is anything spiritual and I don't think it's demonic. Oh, interesting. Are you willing to, I know you want people to buy the book, but are you willing to tease this a little bit with? Why talk about it all in the book, every theory? Right. I know that, but I mean, that seems like a big theory to hold on to. I didn't know if you wanted to hold it or, or if you'll tease it a little bit here. I believe it's one of two things that has nothing to do with um, demons. And I believe they're either interdimensional or I believe they are the product of some sort of hybrid program either gone wrong, like they're the castaways that they're like, well, throw them in the woods and earth and let them make their own way or wherever. Or they were purposefully created with a mission to um, feed off of us because they definitely are energetic feeders, 100%. Um, So they were made specifically for that, maybe by a lower vibrational or more evil extraterrestrial race. I, I don't know necessarily if they were demonic in my opinion, it would have to be connected to whatever extraterrestrial entities they are or interdimensional. And I don't want to be a part of any dimension where these things are just running freely around that popping noise that I keep hearing about gets me. Cause I feel like that's them coming and going. You know, it's interesting because having done paranormal investigations for years, we have noticed, and I, I'm going to talk to Mark Lanoue, our next guest, because being a musician and working in the audio field, he might have an insight on this. There have been times, especially working with Mark and Debbie Constantino, you could hear a very audible, like almost an electronic pop. And then a few seconds later, really good EVP would be heard. It was like it was trying to broadcast in or it was breaking through to our realm. And that was the initial element of that energetic exchange. Yeah, I'm hearing it more and more with these with these kids, with these creatures, um, that there is a popping noise and every once in a while, even in animalistic, you know, howl. I mean, like you said, there's there's nothing you can really follow because they're so you know, I don't even believe any of the people who said they let them in, you know, except maybe one or two that I've come across. Because I think that when you find an entire family or like unsolved murders across the country, um, I even looked into a lot of those to see like what they looked like, because I was convinced that people were letting these things in. And that's what was happening to them. Energetic feeding gone too far. Creepy. Uh, Gemma Jade, the new book is out and available. People can go buy it. You have a follow-up companion book that'll be coming out in February that contains just encounter stories. This is a mixture of encounters and theories and ideas. Um, So very well done. Great book. I want to thank you so much for coming on tonight to share some of these stories with us. 
You're so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Always a pleasure catching up with you, my friend. Much success on the book. And when the other one comes out, let's get you back on and share a couple more Black Eyed we're going to take a quick break, have an encounter of our own, and then Mark Lanoue joins us as we discuss the possibilities of contacting the dead with a new piece of, of equipment, new technology that he is hoping to introduce. We'll do that and hear about his own paranormal experiences when we return to the Paranormal 60. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. What's the first thing that you'd do if, say, you had an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run? Maybe take a nap, read a book, or just show up for a friend. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. And the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're like me, you think, I can get through a lot. And we can. We're a resilient species. However, there are times that we need to reach out that hand and get a little help from somewhere else. That's what I did with BetterHelp. When I reached that limit and I realized things were getting a little bit out of control, instead of taking it out on my family or taking it out on myself, I just decided to reach out and get the help that I deserve. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy, my darklings. Get BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com P60. Do that today. You're going to get 10% off your first month. That's better help h-e-l-p dot com slash p60 it's time to take control of your life dave's here rooting you on and if i can do this you can do this let's do this together betterhelp.com slash p60 there's a link for it on today's program guide in winter's grasp a chilling tale unfolds wanted magazines issue 40 secrets to be told Al Capone's ghost, in shadows it creeps. A spectral mobster, where darkness seeps. Fourteen signs of a poltergeist's might. Haunting whispers in the silent night. Pascagoula UFO, fifty years gone by. A cosmic encounter, reaching the sky. The ghost train of Tate Bridge. Echoes in the mist A phantom journey Where souls exist Wanted Magazine issue 40 Is out now Available from selected outlets And bit.ly Forward slash Haunted Magazine Don't be normal Be paranormal The Paranormal 60 is available Wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. So if you're watching it live here on YouTube and you want to catch us any other way, you can check us out on all of the different podcast formats out there, including Audible, Amazon Music. We are on Podcaster, Podchaser, Podbean, TuneIn. You want it, you can find it, iHeartRadio and more. So please go check it out. Subscribe now. And remember, rate and review where you can. And even if you've rated and reviewed before on Apple Podcasts, you can do it again. As a matter of fact, you can rate and review as many times as you'd like, and we'd sure appreciate it because the more you rate and review and the higher the ratings and reviews are, the more chance more people will find the best in paranormal podcasting and that our family, our darklings, will continue to grow all around the world. All right, my friends. Our next guest, I'm excited to have join us. Mark Lanou uh, is a listener and friend of the show. He's also a musician who has shared a song that we played in Paratunes a while back. I know we've got a few more songs we're going to be integrating back into Paratunes as well as we continue. So help me welcome to the show, rock musician and legend and fan of the Paranormal 60. I love the shirt. Thanks for wearing that tonight. Mark Lanou. How you doing? I'm doing great, buddy. Thank you so much for being here tonight with me. I'm getting a bit of an echo coming back, I think, through this through this street stream yard. 
Yeah, it never fails, right? Uh, during our pre-trial, it was fine. Now it's acting a little wonky for you. Um, I want to start off here, if we could, reading through your bio. It says, inductee to the NASA Space Technology Hall of Fame. Talk to me about that, Mark. What is that? How did you get involved? And what exactly did that entail? Well, I invented something called a hyperspectral imaging system. And uh, what that does, I was part of a team that invented that. And what that does is it splits the electromagnetic spectrum up into small contiguous wavelengths so that you can kind of um, look at that information and tell something about a specific target, whether it's a plant or or in some wavelength, something you can't see, et cetera, and so forth. So. Um, what happened is because we created this thing that was not as big as a human being, it was more down to something that was like handheld size, you know, that you could hold in your hand. Uh, we were inducted into the NASA Space Technology Hall of Fame in 2005. Um, Congratulations, buddy. Uh, you look at you and I'm thinking this guy's head banging, anthrax partying, and like Brian May, surprised to find out that rock and roll and science go hand in hand after all, right? That's right. They gave me this whopping medal right here that, uh, oh. uh, that with my name on the back and everything. An astronaut, a general gave that bad boy to me. So <laughs> very cool, man. That I don't want to brag, but I've won a gold telly award, but I would have had to pay 385 bucks for mine. And I just had to pass on <laughs> <laughs> nowhere near as illustrious as getting a, uh, inducted into the NASA space technology hall of fame. So this is cool. Again, I love when I, connect with friends online and connect with friends that are, are part of the show and into the world of uh, the paranormal. And obviously you'd f first reach out to me when I had talked about listening for music and trying to find some cool paranormal themed music. And that's how we really started to uh, communicate. You shared a song that we played earlier uh, last year on the program. And then to just keep finding out more and more about you and your interest, talk to me a little bit about how you became interested in the paranormal and you had some interesting experiences. Yeah, so, you know, I'm putting it in my book right now. That's not out yet. But um, basically, when I was a child, I had a lot of experiences. And some of those experiences were from different locations. We moved around a lot when I was little. I was from uh, the inner cities of New Jersey. And uh, my father was in a bit of trouble. We won't go into depth exactly what he was all into, but we moved around a whole lot. And so we ended up in these old houses and stuff, but I always was very sensitive. I would, you know, everything from shadow figures to, to spirits to, I even saw at one point, yes, a demon at one point. Um, and so uh, it had nothing to do with my birthday being 6666 because I, I grew up in the church. I'm still a very strong believer in God. And I don't just okay. breeze over that, Mark Lanou, that your birthday is November 6th in 1966. So that's not just three sixes, that's four sixes. You're, you're one to the power evil even more so. Well, actually, the, <laughs> the background of 6666 was uh, both the angel's number and the devil's number. So it, it kind of has this unique kind of mythical background to it as well. So, um, very cool. Well, let's, uh, let's continue on with, uh, this experience you had with a demon. I mean, that seems very strange. I, I need to know more about that. Okay. So when I was around 10 years old, my father was murdered. And so, um, not long after that, of all places, I was actually, it was daylight. That's what really caught me off guard. You know, it, was not, it wasn't like it was at night in the room and ooh, boo, you know, coming out of the closet or through the window. Uh, I was actually walking through the hallways of the uh, parochial school that I was going to at the time. And up on the ledge of the stairs, the first flight of steps, I looked over and there it was. It's not like, you know, it's kind of like they always say, it's like, it's not standing there for like 10 minutes. It was just like seconds but it was so emboldened that I can still draw it to this day. I, I can see the face of it and everything. And basically what it was is it was at a distance. So I thought, well, it's because I'm a believer. It's not getting real close to me, but it was looking at me like it wanted to eat my face off. Yeah. It had just had a really nasty looking face. It was a female. It, it's at least in its form. It had wings and everything. It looked more like an angel than a demon except for its face. It was really a, an interesting experience, to say the least. 
when you see something like that, how do, how do you just live a normal life going forward, knowing that it's not just Hollywood creations, but that there are real beings, real evil that seem to walk amongst us? Well, I don't fear it because I do believe in God, and I believe that I'm protected by that and protected by that shield. And the taunting, especially to a child, is pretty much part of the game, right? So, and by that time, I was already used to seeing shadow figures and and everything else, and I had horrific dreams as well as a child. So, by then, it was just like, oh, just another another day in the, in the walk in the park. Right. So <laughs> why, do you, why do you think that they picked you Mark all kidding aside with the birth date, but why do you believe that you became so acutely aware? Uh, do you believe that they picked you to show themselves to, or do you believe that they had nothing to do with it? It was something that was just bred into who you are. Well, you know, it's hard to say because I do have such strong faith, even as a young child, maybe that was an attraction to it. But in the same token, there's a lot of tragedy that was happening in my life. There, there's a lot of things around me that were not exactly positive. I had a good positive family, don't get me wrong. You know, my grandmother was a wonderful God-fearing woman and took me to church every Sunday I was in church. So, you know, so that wasn't it, but it was just a lot of the other things. And really, when you grow up in those inner cities and the middle cities, especially when your father's also involved in certain things, you, you, you grow up fast. You see lots of things. You see lots of things that you shouldn't see. And so it's probably just this cesspool, you know, mixture of things that that brought that to fruition. That's just my guess, you know, so. All right. Did that encourage your love and desire to want to explore deeper into it? Because in most instances, I would guess that would push some people away for fear that by confronting it, it makes you even more appealing to dark and maybe more malevolent entities. Yeah, uh, well... I, I was really uh, attracted to the fact of knowing. I've always been that type that wants to know. So that's why that's what led me to technology. That will, that's what led me to music, writing, experiences, experiencing people, experiencing things around me. Um, and you can't make things better unless you understand both sides of the equation, right? You want to make things better for everyone. But, you know, there's good and bad. There's yin and yang. There's, there's two sides of the coin. There's energy all around us, and you need to understand everything about it, whether it's history or it's what causes some energy to happen. You want to know what that is, and the only way to know is to look, to be curious. What's your advice to people that are afraid of the paranormal, uh, fearful that there are dark things, uh, and that by opening doors and stepping through them, it can attract negativity. It can bring about more acknowledgement from entities I we would, don't normally want to mess with yeah so i i would say that it's important to be careful because there are things that can attach to you there there are things uh, depending on uh, what your knowledge is or where you are there are things that you should be careful but it doesn't mean you should be fearful you can't walk into everything being fearful about everything or else you'll never learn anything and and we're here on this earth for a certain period of time and I kind of look at it like the old uh, theory of whether you're in a plane or you get up out of your bed and you trip on a marble. If it's the number, it's your time. It's, it's your right. time. So right. you can't live your life that way. It's just really a, a horrible existence, right? So Now, th- this prototype of equipment that you've built uh, that you're, you're planning on you know, u- utilizing in, in investigations, explain to me kind of the thought process behind this because I I like the way you're like, Hey, my issue with devices is they don't necessarily really kind of correlate and collate the data that you're getting in and, and all of that. What inspired you and what type of, um, diagnostics or what, what type of, of, uh, parameters did you set for your technology to verify that what you're dealing with is something truly of the supernatural ilk? So, when I look at it's linear correlation, there's two sides to this. I was also a member of the American Academy of Forensic Science. So evidence is very important to me from a technological and from a science perspective. And 
in order to have linear correlation, you can't have any doubt about what you're, so if you don't, so for instance, let's say you have a REM pod, it is possible that a walkie talkie could set it off. Right. Um, it, you know, uh, there, there is interference that could mess with Frank's boxes, for example, at, at points. But if, so that's why some people use Faraday cages, for example, in order to keep the signal out. So what, the way to do linear correlation to say what's coming at my box. Let's so I've got this box, right? What's coming at that box? I identify what's there. What's the temperature outside that box and what's coming into the perimeter, a linear correlation to the box of where it is in distance. And once it goes out of your outside perimeter, you know, it's in the box, but then you sense what's in the box. So there's sensors in there and you say there is absolutely, and you have a Faraday around it. There's absolutely no way that there's anything going in there and interfering and I'm sensing there's something in it, then I know that there is a linear correlation that, okay, now, now argue with me. There's that it, there's something there <laughs> and there's nothing interfering from the outside and your temperature differences between outside and inside are different. So you tell me what just crawled up on, on my box and what am I telling you is now in that box? So this technology kind of goes around that perspective. I want to be able to allow people to say that I heard this and I got this voice and I got this, but what's the correlation and what's not interfering with it? Here it is. It's in this location. I know how it got there and I know what, what I'm dealing with. So that's kind of how, that's what drove me to that is I watch these shows and it drives me crazy. It's like, well, wait a minute, no, because I know a lot about spatial, about cameras, about substrates, about the, the sounds, about the waves. And when I look at it, I'll go, wait, that could be that, it could be this, it could be that, it could be spatial patterning. But in order to break that down, you have to know what you're dealing with on an individual level and then correlate that. But there are elements to science that science theorizes, right? Uh, yeah. Theoretical physics and science that they understand if something is happening here, it is definitely coming from an outside source or from an inside source that they're trying to gather. But the, then it's trying to commit and quantify what it is. How, you, you know, removing the human element, Bill Chappell, who owned digital dowsing and, and created the Ovilus and other tools, his concept for the original digital dowsing tool, the Ovilus, was to be a digital dowsing rod to remove that uh, human element of people holding dowsing rods, claiming they're not moving it. When and listen, I'm going to say this: it's going to hurt some people. And I, I am not a big fan of dowsing rods. I have seen people swear to the god they love more than anything that they're not moving. And I can videotape it and show you their hands doing this. And I don't think they're lying to me. I don't think they know that they're doing it or they are, but they're so convinced that it's a paranormal issue. But what he found was by removing the human element, he would just put the dowsing rod down or put the, the obelisk down and talk, hoping that it would cross the light pattern or would go one way or the other. What he noticed was there was no data coming in. There was no connectivity with the paranormal until somebody held the obelisk. And when they asked the questions, then it started to, to work again. So he said, there's definitely a, a human element that's important when trying to communicate with the other side. Science, we can look at it from the outside and say, but we have our own EM fields. We have our own electrical currents, uh, biomagnetic feedback loops that are going to impact and affect things. But if something is truly an electromagnetic force, a spirit is an element of who we were or that energy that still remains. What's not to say that it's not influencing our energy to make those things react? Yeah, I, I do. I do believe. And you don't have to be polite because I'm the host, Mark. Tear me apart with science if you have good answers. No, no, no. Actually, his, his, his science was actually very solid. And, mm -hmm. and also when you're doing analog to digital conversion, there are some processes that you can do in order to clean that up as well. Um, I do believe that the energy can affect other energy as well. I mean, we're all energy. Everything's energy, whether it's vibration, mm -hmm. photons, uh, everything. Well, photons technically aren't energy, but anyway, you, you get what I'm saying. It's an absorption and, and reflective pattern and things like that, but it's all energy. And I believe as well, you can manip that 
energy can be manipulated and changed. It's kind of like looking at computer science, right? You have zeros and ones. If I mask those zeros and ones, I can flip those and I can change them to something else. And so those, it's the same with everything. Everything is zeros and ones to me. And anyway. it's kind of like the matrix, right? It's like that, <laughs> what you're looking at. Now with the new device, you've, you've patented it, you're releasing, obviously that means you've worked with a little bit in the field or at least in your parameters where you're at. Have you gotten data back that you find compelling so far? Well, actually you've got, you've got us like right up on the front end of it. We have, so I have a team called the veil, um, which is uh, a team that we've gone to like Fort Jackson has been the last place we went to in Louisiana, but they're going to be the ones to test it next. We were, we're finishing up the last parts of the signaling processing process stuff that we were working on for it. Um, and then we have, we already have like the parameter stuff down the internal stuff. We have all the sensors on it. Um, it's only going to be the first mock-up because obviously we want to add more things to it to correlate in other ways. So you can kind of have multiple correlations to different types of evidence. Uh, so it's a good question, though, that it does have to be tested. And we do want to look at what that evidence looks like because that's really what's going to be where the rubber meets the road, right? And do you, uh, so, it, it, Does the machine have the ability, like, could I take my cat? and bring the cat into its element so that it's reading the cat. You're getting a baseline reading of what a cat would look like. Uh, then Dave goes over and touches and interacts with it. So you're getting a baseline reading of what a human form would look like so that when you start getting data, you could maybe correlate, Hey, this is, this seems more animal in nature. This seems to be resonating more with a mouse, uh, a cat, a bat, a dog, as opposed to a human being. It will give you shape. So you will okay. see differences in shape. So if there's something tall and it's got a human form, it's going to be tall with a human form. If it's uh, if it's smaller cat, it's going to have that form as well. The whole idea is to know one spatially, what do you see? Um, and then ultimately, what's the distance? When does it reach the box? And so we know it's in the box. Right. So obviously, so if, if a but how do you entice it in, in the food? box, that's a, they're doing a little bit of a magic act there. We're going, we're going right. <laughs> how do you, how do you entice it into the box though? I would honestly, if I'm a, a living consciousness that has superseded the physical form and Mark Lanou has put together this deal and I see something, I don't know if I'm not going to get ghostbusted. I don't know that I'm going to enter that box for fear. And then I'm getting fed into some giant chamber in the basement of a firehouse in New York city. And obviously saying it tongue in cheek, but how, how do you think the energy of that spirit is going to be enticed to, or that, that energy itself, whether it's a spirit or an elemental or something entirely different to, to interact with it. We're going to put Dave Schrader's voice inside there and see, it's going to pull him right on in there. <laughs> no, but we, you know, we're, we're looking, we're looking at everything a, a, a piece at a time. Like you say, gather the evidence, see what happens with it. And then you try other things to try and, and also look at other, you know, uh, precedents, you know, what are the things that have happened in other worked in other cases where you didn't have something like this, but might work in this particular case, but those, those are good questions. And that's part of the whole uh, uh, science trek, right? And you figuring out what's your next point what, and what's your next goal to reach so that you can get data that makes sense or that does something for you or for the field. So what the, the critical thinkers out there, and I, I use that term in a sense of that's what they refer to themselves. A lot of the skeptic uh, nation. And again, I'm not putting down skeptics. We have to be more skeptical so that we can push the science to get more evolved in the way that we're able to, um, get this data and information so that we can be taken more seriously. But the critical thinkers will tell you that this equipment, what you're not, you're training a monkey to flip switches. How does it ghost from 1600 know to influence this point in order for the machine to say yes or no or demon or, or, you know, it, it's, that's what seems so hard for a lot of, uh, people to, to process. So again, in your equipment, if I'm the skeptic and I'm asking you how, why would the spirit even be attracted to come to this? Why 
are they going to do this and how will they know what to do in order to give you the readings that you need? What's your answer on something like that? Well, it's a correlation between the evidence inside of the unit and outside the unit. So obviously mm -hmm. you already have things that are happening outside the unit. But what you're really thinking about, again, remove all the interference, remove all the other stuff. So you have something happening inside this small little box. There's no interference coming into that box. So maybe you don't, you can't say that's Sally or that's Bob or that's, you know, that's John's kitty from down the street that, that passed away a week ago. Mm -hmm. But there's something in there that's not supposed to be inside the box. And it's triggering sensors that say there is something in there, but there's no interference coming in from the outside at all. So something is inside there that's being sensed. So you can be a skeptic and say, well, you know, it's not telling me that it is this. Well, what do you think's in that box? I mean, there's no interference coming inside the box. There's, there, it's small. It's, so it's not like, you know, we, we shove something in there. You get what, what are you making the box out of? That keeps uh, it, it's going to be 3D uh, printed. It's, it's pretty, pretty simple. Okay, but Faraday uh, cage wise to keep it from being something. Oh, I see. Keep, I see. Yeah. Right. There's going to be your typical, you know, your typical, uh, wire and copper kind of perspective around that's just like you build a, a you know a ship it's right. pretty much the same thing so let me ask you then because here's where science kind of goes askew for me and i'm not a science guy um but i know that if i want certain things to happen and i'm building a crystal radio i use copper wiring yeah um and if I want to transmit, I can use copper wiring. There's copper in phone lines. There's copper in the old teletypes, the old uh, uh, Morse code senders. So right. to say that copper is creating a Faraday field, if copper can pick up subtle energy shifts like tapping of a Morse code, why are we assuming that something made of copper is keeping something shielded from going in and out if the energy on the outside can actually manipulate that metal to transmit messages, it would seem that that isn't a Faraday cage. It actually becomes a, a transmission cage. Right. Well, it's an absorption thing as well and a reflective thing. So um, we would have to test the theory as well, right? So you have to have right. you have to have some kind of interference outside, and then you put something inside that would detect that interference. And if it's not detecting the interference, then your Faraday cage is working, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's part of the, the scientific part. We're ultimately going to make it out of nanomaterials because we could just basically take the nanomaterial particles and put it inside the sides of the walls and then create a Faraday cage in itself. But we have to just bring down the cost of that before we actually do that. Right now we're doing a more subtle, typical Faraday cage, but later on it's going to be really cool. It's going to have nanomaterials and you know that kind of science because we we do that also where where i am and where i work and where i'm getting my phd we work in metamaterials and nanomaterials and and nanotubes and all kinds of other stuff and rf sensors and stuff like that mark you create something like this your patent has the patent been sent in already yes i would like and, and if you want to do it off air at some point i would like to know how long after you put that patent in before you start hearing from um, government agencies that would like to understand what you're building and how they can acquire some. <laughs> well, I have some times. I used to work in the intellectual property office, so. Right. I, I, <laughs> so. Well, Bill, I know Bill Chapel has been contacted and there have been yeah. certain government agencies that have purchased ghost hunting equipment uh, from yeah. him and yeah. they won't explain what they want to do with it, but there's an interest and they wanted to understand the SLS camera and the technology and everything. So I'm just curious how long it's going to take for them to realize, uh, you know, Mark Lanou inductee to the NASA space technology hall of fame has created something. Maybe we need to look into. Yeah. So what, what's funny is they, it, it doesn't just take that. When I used to travel to China and, mm -hmm. and, I, and to other certain countries were on the list, um, I would, I would get a phone call. Someone will come have lunch with me. And then, you know, so, I mean, it's, it's part of the, it's all part of the game, right? It's somebody might contact me. It's, but it, I'm used to it. I've, I've had clearances before and it, it wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me. <laughs>
Hey, let me remind everybody, uh, Mark is with uh, Kick the Wicked Band, also with uh, Fiction 6, and uh, you can check it out, fiction6.com, S-Y-X-X. We have a link for Mark on today's program guide so that you can follow him and his bands, and we'll look forward to having you on again with uh, some more music. But once you've, you've tested this a few times um, and start pulling that data together, Will you come back on the show and talk to us about how that uh, evidence is is panning out? Absolutely. Um, any any time, actually. Uh, let me ask you, Mark, r- real quickly before we part ways here. If you were pushed to the corner right now and, and an answer had to come, what do you believe is happening? Is consciousness existing outside the physical form after death, or are we dealing with interdimensional or parallel universe energies that are affecting our world. Yeah, I think I believe there's a bit of, of everything. I'm, I'm a being a sensitive too. I'm not a medium by any by any means, but I am sensitive, and I have other people in my family that are sensitive as well. And uh, when you feel that, there's no way that you can deny. It's 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 there. You you can't deny because I can feel the malevolent versus the, the good. There's an empath empathetic part of it that mm-hmm. you can feel it. And some people might call you crazy, but until you feel it, it it's it's sometimes hard to describe. But it's there. Plus, I'm a firm believer in, in God, and uh, when you've seen a demon before, it's uh, it kind of opens up your eyes to see both sides of the coin right so yeah i would guess so mark lanu thank you so much and we'll look forward to hearing a new song from you here on the uh paranormal uh paratunes real soon thanks man peace thank you great conversations definitely thought provoking and a way to get our minds working it's exciting to me as somebody that's been an active investigator in this field for the last 18 years to know that there are still people pushing boundaries people with a pedigree like inductee to the nasa space technology hall of fame that's not a bad pedigree to have when starting to put together concepts for communicating with the dead or trying to understand what it is we are communicating with i'm still not convinced that that we are not influencing some of these locations ourselves, that it's our energy that might have an impact and an effect. I'd love to hear from you. Put some comments in the comments below if you're watching the video version of this show, or you can always email me, Dave, at paranormal60.com. That's Dave at paranormal60.com. And please welcome all of our brand new sponsors to today's program. Please make sure to support the sponsors that you hear on this show, because you supporting those sponsors and using the links and the special codes that we give you help to support this program. And it goes a long way. So thank you very much. We've got a lot to think about whether it's the black-eyed kid phenomenon, strange beings seeking our attention, or communication through devices. The idea that there is more going on than can be seen currently by the human eye is exciting. It gives us pause to realize that what we are and the chances of us being here at this precise moment are so minuscule that the problems of the world are so, and I don't want to make this sound uh, disproportionate in, in concept, but that the problems are so ridiculous that if we focused on positivity and we focused on coming together to try to understand these things, bridge these chasms together, imagine the amazing work that could be done if people put down weapons and put down bombs and put down barriers. And we started working together on ways to understand consciousness, to understand what life and death really means, to understand what the universe around us holds and maybe the dimensions around us as well. I don't think we're that far removed from it. And many people talk about this awakening that needs to take place in our world. And I believe we are here watching it now. It's been growing pains and painful. These are the labor pains of a new paradigm and existence. And in order to get there, we have to go through the pain of these moments to get to the next evolutionary point in our history. And hopefully we'll be here to watch that continue to unfold. Thank you so much for allowing me on your journey and may the information that we share here make the darkness just a little more light until we can meet again on Wednesday with the paranormal 60 news crews. Thank you so much for being here and being a part of my world because I love you. I respect you and you mean the world to your pal here, Dave Schrader.
at the Paranormal 60. 